Romans chapter number 16, and uh, we'll begin reading here in verse number 21. Romans 16 and verse number 21. If you'll follow along with me in God's Word, we'll read together these last few verses of the book of Romans. The Bible says in Romans 16 and verse number 21, Timotheus, my work fellow, and Lucius, and Jason, and Sosipater, my kinsman, salute you. I, Tertius, who wrote this epistle, salute you. In the Lord, Gaius, mine host, and of the whole church, saluteth you. Erastus, the chamberlain of the city, saluteth you. And Quartus, a brother. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Now to him that is of power to establish you according to my gospel and, to, and the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery which was kept secret since the world began, but now is made manifest. And by the scriptures, the prophets, according to the commandment of the everlasting God, made known to all nations for the obedience of faith. To God only wise be glory through Jesus Christ forever. Amen. Now we come to this conclusion of the book of Romans, and uh, it was Paul's practice as he brought his epistles to a conclusion to end with some form of a doxology. And I hadn't sang the doxology in a long, long time until today. And uh, I sang it with some folks at a funeral meal at uh, the old high school. And the sound in the old high school is really nice. And uh, we had a good time singing it. Well, let's sing the doxology together. You remember it? Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above the heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Don't you? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. We've got lots of reasons to praise the Lord. And as Paul brings this letter to a conclusion, he's not boasting of his apostleship. He's not boasting of his special relationship to the Lord Jesus Christ and the special revelation that God has given to him. But he's glorying in the fact that God has revealed to us our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. All the glory belongs to Jesus. We'll introduce our sex of Scripture by some things that Paul is is known for, and it's Paul's people. I preached a whole message recently. We're working through uh, these texts on Paul's people, but Paul's people just keep showing up. And I want to share with you a few here as we begin our message tonight. All the glory belongs to Jesus. But Paul wants to know and wants us to know that it takes a lot of different people to do the work of the Lord. Uh, Paul was crystal clear on the fact that it wasn't just the great workings of the Apostle Paul that made the difference. Paul included so many people. And we come to this passage of Scripture, I like to see the names. I like to see the people. One we're very familiar with in verse 21, Timotheus, Timothy. And Timothy was his son the faith. He says, uh, he's greeting folks. Timothy, my work fellow. 
co-worker, co-laborer. I, I like the fact that old Timothy's mentioned here. Timothy, my work fellow, and Lucius, and Jason, and Sosipater, my kinsman, salute you. There's uh, the jury's out on exactly what it means to be a kinsman. Either they were Jewish alike or they were literally kinfolk. They were family. And either way, it's fine. We're thinking about these folks and they were kinsmen. He says, I salute you. I say hello. Then look what the Bible says in verse 22. I think this verse is kind of neat. I, Tertius who wrote this epistle, salute you in the Lord. Now, this is the only time we see Tertius. But evidently, Tertius was a person that was being used of God to write down the words of the book of Romans as the Apostle Paul was saying them. There's a lot of folks who believe that one of Paul's thorns in the side was his vision, that he had poor vision. And I can't testify to the fact that that's exactly right or true, but I can testify to the fact that this person, Tertius, was the person who wrote down the words of the book of Romans that we have been studying and looking at as the Apostle Paul, under the inspiration of the Spirit of God, gave the message. Tertius, and I can just have in my mind, Tertius, because he's writing now, Paul says, Paul says in verse 21, Timothy, Lucius, Jason, Sosipater, my kinsmen salute you. And it's almost like Tertius gets the privilege and the opportunity to say, hey, he's like, Paul, I've been writing all day. I've been writing this down. I've written all your words. Can I, can I just say something to everybody? <laughs> it's almost like he's got this, if it were on camera, he'd be like, can I, can I look in the camera and say hi to mom? Hi, Mom. <laughs> I, I just think about Tertius, and he just brings a smile to my face because he's like, I want us to tell everybody hi, too. And Paul says, go for it. I, Tertius, wrote this epistle, verse 22. I salute you in the Lord. We go back to Paul's greetings in verse 23. Gaius, mine host. This is where he was staying. This is who he was living with at the time. Gaius in Corinth. Gaius, mine host, and of the whole church, salute. The whole church salutes you. Oh, I can't forget. Erastus, verse number 23. Erastus, you'll never guess who Erastus was. Erastus is the chamberlain of the city. Erastus is a politician, an official. And Erastus salutes the church at Rome from Corinth. Erastus. The Bible says, and finally, and Quartius, Quartus, a brother. That's all he is, a brother. I see this passage of Scripture, and I'm so thankful for the people that God raises up and has raised up in every generation to serve him. I'm thankful. In this list, we see helpers like Timothy. And Timothy played a big role. He was a big helper. But we see helpers in this listing of people. We see family members in this listing of people. We see secretaries. Praise God for the secretaries because I stink at it. It's awful. We see hosts like Gaius, politicians, messengers. Let me show you something interesting. A lot of your Bibles will have this little subnote, but look at verse number 27 and just go right past it. How many, of you are in, how many of you in your copy of the scriptures, you see a little note that says, written to the Romans for, from 
Corinthus and sent by Phoebe, servant of the church at Sincrea. How many of you can see that in your copy of scriptures? It won't be in every copy of scriptures, and yours you didn't get short changed, but a lot of the old copies of the scriptures will have that little subnote because it is believed and confirmed in a lot of ways that this letter was written to the Romans from Corinth and sent by Phoebe. Phoebe was the person that carried it. Phoebe carried the letter. And she was a servant of the church at Sincrea. I saw that little note and just made note in my mind to think about what a blessing it was to have a Phoebe. Phoebe was the person that carried the letter. And Phoebe was not part of the church at Rome. She was not part of the church at Corinth. She was from a different church altogether. But something that encourages me is seeing the body of Christ functioning and all these people doing their parts and the value. And God speaks from heaven to the heart of the Apostle Paul and says, Hey, Paul, write down in my inerrant, infallible, perfect word that I need and I'm using and I'm encouraged and it's a blessing that there are helpers and families and secretaries and hosts and politicians and messengers and other churches involved in the work of the Lord. And let everybody know that's good and right. And tell everybody, thank you. I say that and introduce this to remind you that there are no inferior roles to be played in the work of the Lord. We are all members of a body and parts of a body fitly joined together. And we should determine to do the part that God's given us to do and do it heartily and do it to the Lord. And I'll tell you, it's a sweet thing when the body functions together rightly. And I'm very thankful. I'm very thankful. We see all these people. And then we move in verse 24 to some words that we're tempted just to kind of blow through. I don't know about you, but I'm tempted to blow through uh, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. It's almost like, praise God from whom all bless. You know, <laughs> if you just say it without any consideration, you kind of just blow through it. But I want to talk to you tonight about the fact that all the glory belongs to Jesus and the Apostle Paul wants us to remind, be reminded of the reasons why all the glory belongs to Jesus and the fact that all the glory belongs to Jesus. The first thing I want to bring your attention tonight, number one, is the grace of Jesus. The Bible says in verse 24, The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Folks, we shouldn't ever... Read the word grace in connection with the Lord Jesus Christ and just fly through it. We ought to always take a minute and ponder on the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says, For by grace are ye saved through faith, that not of yourselves is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. It is because of the grace of God that we have everlasting life. Grace is not something to be blown through. Grace. We understand that God's grace is all sufficient in our times of need. Oh, I'm thankful for the grace of God. One folk said that grace was God's unmerited favor, and boy, it is. I don't deserve it, but I have it anyway. God's grace. My favorite definition for grace is this. When you do 
get what you don't deserve. God's grace. You know, God doesn't have to give me grace to make it through the trials of life, but he does. Thank you for the grace. God doesn't have to give me grace to weather the storms of life and bear the pain and hurt, but he does. God's grace is sufficient. He didn't have to give me the grace, extend the grace, forgive me of my sins that condemned me to hell, but he did. Thank God for his grace. The grace of Jesus. And the Apostle Paul says, The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. I like all these definitions of the word grace. But let me read to you a definition of the word grace from the Bible itself. You may take note of this verse. 2 Corinthians chapter number 8 and verse number 9. The Bible says, Ye know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich... Yet for your sakes he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be rich. Isn't it wonderful what God's given to us through his grace? Let me read that again to you. Ye know the grace of our Lord Jesus. I do? What is it? That though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be rich. The grace of Jesus Christ. God has given us His grace. Praise God for His grace. How many of you have ever experienced God's grace? Isn't it good? How many of you have thought, I don't know how I'll deal with this and this happened and God's grace met you there? How many of you have been there? Praise God for His grace. You see, we want to just, I want to just blow through. The grace of God be with you all. God bless you. The grace of God be with you all. And the truth of the matter is when we begin to think about the grace that God has faithfully extended to us as people, time and time again it's something that merits God's praise. It's something that should cause us to pause and glory and wonder and thank Him and praise Him because of the grace of Jesus. I'm so thankful for his grace. One of my favorite little songs is, He giveth more grace when the burdens grow greater. He sendeth more strength when the labors increase. To added afflictions, he addeth his mercy. To multiplied trials, his multiplied peace. For his love has no limit, his grace has no measure. His power has no boundary known unto man. For out of his infinite riches in Jesus, he giveth and giveth and giveth again. He giveth more grace. He giveth more grace. The grace of Jesus. If you've experienced the grace of Jesus, would you say amen? Because all the glory belongs to Jesus. And Paul said, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Folks, I'm so thankful that I can say on the authority of God's word, the grace that I've experienced, the grace that the apostle Paul testifies to, the grace that gave such a sweet spirit to a person like Tertius who said, can I say hi? The same grace that was available to the writer of the New Testament 
The Apostle Paul is available to Cody Sturgill, a peon in Chilhowee, Virginia. And you and I have the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ with us all. Who can't have it? It's not exclusive. It's all inclusive. Everyone can have the grace of Jesus. I praise the Lord Jesus. All the glory belongs to Jesus because of his grace. Because of his grace. Look at verse 25. We consider the grace of Jesus first, and secondly, we consider the power of Jesus. The Bible says in verse 25, Now to him that is of power to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ. Now to him that is of power to establish you. Who is it that can make you established? The word established is literally strengthened. Who is it that can give you the strength that you need to face life? Who is it that can give you the strength to overcome temptation? Who is it that can set your feet on a rock? Who is it? Well, it's the Lord Jesus Christ. And so the Apostle Paul, as he continues his doxology, he says, I want you to know something. We're talking about Jesus the power of Jesus. Now to him that is of power to establish you. How does God give us his power? How does God give us his power to establish you? Now there's lots of folks who will not deny the power of God. I mean, you've got to think about the power of God. God is very powerful. It gets on my last nerve when people talk about a big storm like we're having in Florida right now. And they say, Mother Nature. <laughs> Mother Nature, my foot. <laughs> Father God. And I'll just tell you something. There isn't anyone that can harness his power. He's almighty. But how in the world do we harness the power of God that shows up in a storm like an Ian? Or how can that power help me? It's almost like trying to burn a light bulb with a lightning bolt. It's hard to do, right? How can that power help me? And the Bible says, here's how. The Bible says, the power to establish you, strengthen you, the power to give you standing, the power to give you victory over temptation, the power comes from two sources. Obvious sources and two obvious emphases when we talk about God. The Bible says, Now to him that, that is of power to establish you according to my gospel. The first way that we are able to be established in the power of God is through the gospel message. The gospel that Paul preached was this very simple gospel. All men are sinners. Sin must be paid for. Jesus Christ paid the price for our sins when he died on the cross and was buried and rose again. And every person must personally receive him by faith as their Savior. That's why the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter number 10 said, With the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. In the same chapter he says, Whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now, the gospel... 
The bad news of the gospel is you're a sinner. The good news of the gospel, Jesus died on the cross for your sins. You must believe and repent and trust Christ by faith as your Savior. How can I harness the power of God? The first step is to submit to him and receive his free pardon of sin. The message of the gospel. You see, the beginning of experiencing the power of God is to receive new birth, as John 3 talks about and Jesus speaks of, through salvation. The beginning is to receive through salvation and trusting and believing the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, receiving that old things are passed away and all things are become new. The beginning of having and experiencing the power of God is to submit your self-righteousness to the righteousness of Christ. The gospel message. The next part, how is it that God's power can establish and strengthen and settle and help me? First of all, you need to be saved according to the gospel. Secondly, God uses something else. Verse 25, now to him that is of power to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ. What has God chosen to use to help you to be established in God's power? Don't just take, I'm not playing my own song. Listen to the preacher, listen to the preacher, listen to the preacher. I'm preaching God's word because the Bible says the preaching of Jesus Christ plays a vital role in the lives of God's people. The Christ-honoring preacher steps out of the way and points people through the word to the Savior. And that's our goal. You see, the preaching of God's word is a way that we harness the power of God and God's word And we see it manifest in our lives as we submit to the preaching of Jesus, the Word of God. Oh, it's wonderful. You see, all the glory belongs to Jesus. He's all-powerful. Let me tell you something. If you are on shifting sand, put your foot on the rock, which is Christ. If you found yourself in troubled waters, look unto Jesus, the author and finisher of your faith. If you found yourself swirling out of control, turn to Christ. He's solid and sure. and He can establish you. If you're not saved, you need to get saved. You need to submit to the gospel. If you're not allowing God's word to work in your heart, you need to sit under the preaching, the preaching of Jesus Christ. It's amazing what God has done. He's raised up preachers and pulpits all over the world in order that his people might grow and nurture and admonition of the Lord, that his people might have victory over the daily sins that so easily besets his people, might be able to be more effective. God uses the foolishness of preaching to confound the wise. God has a special place in his heart for preaching. We should too. We should too. All the glory belongs to Jesus. We see the grace of Jesus, the power of Jesus. Number three, the revelation of Jesus. Don't let the word revelation scare you. It's just a revealing. It's when you see it. 
the revelation of Jesus. Now, the Bible says in the second part of verse number 25, Now, to him that is of power to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery, which was kept secret since the world began. What's he talking about? He's talking about the mystery is the revelation of Jesus Christ, Christ coming. You see, in Paul's thing, and Paul was in a transition time there. Paul, his entire adult life until he heard about the workings of Christ and the following of Christ, and it just made him angry. Because Jesus was presenting himself as the Messiah, and Paul was still stuck on the fact that he was a Pharisee, and he couldn't believe that that Jesus of Nazareth was the Christ. But through time and patience and grace and love and mercy, God made it crystal clear to Saul of Tarsus, who we know as Paul, who wrote the book of Romans. God made it crystal clear to Saul of Tarsus that Jesus was the Christ and the mystery that God had known since before the world began. The, the mystery of the eternal God, which is Christ Jesus. You see, Jesus is God. He has no beginning. The mystery that was before the world began is Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ revealed himself as a babe in a manger. He revealed himself in his life and misery. He revealed himself as the Christ as he went to the cross and as he died. He was buried and he rose again. The mystery. The mystery is Jesus the Bible says the revelation of the mystery which was kept secret since the world began. Verse 26, but now is made manifest. He says we see it clearly now. He mentioned, I mentioned it to you just a minute ago. We see it clearly now. Romans 3.23, for all of sin comes short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. He says it's manifest. Now it's made manifest. The mystery is manifest. It's Christ. It's Jesus of Nazareth. He is the Christ. He is the Messiah. And now it's made manifest. And by the scriptures of the prophets, he says, I can prove it from the Old Testament. According to the commandment of the everlasting God, God has testified to the fact that Jesus is the Christ. And now it's made known to all nations. He says, we're telling everybody about Jesus. Letting the whole world, with all nations know that Jesus is the Christ. And he's come for one good reason. For the obedience of faith. For the obedience of faith. How many of you learned something that was really cool? But it really was just something really cool. Last night on the elk tour, we learned some really interesting things about elk and how elk work and what elk do. And We saw this one great big bull elk herding up a whole bunch of cows and all the other boys that came by to see the girls, he would run them off and hit them with his horns and try to herd them if he needed to. That's really cool. I looked at him and said, good idea, man really cool and that's how they work I mean 
If you see an elk in southwest Virginia, that's what they do. If you see an elk in Kentucky, that's what they do. You see an elk in car, that's what they do. Way to go, buddy. I like it. It's cool. But that knowledge is not something that I have to obey, submit to, make a vital part of my eternal destiny. It's just, that's really neat. It's true. It's really neat. But the message of the fact that Jesus of Nazareth, the mystery being made known and revealed to us in Jesus Christ and what he did for our sins on the cross of Calvary and the fact that he perfectly fulfilled all of the Old Testament law and prophecies that proved him to be the Christ. And the fact that he rose again the third day victoriously. The fact that he ascended into heaven. Now those are truths that aren't just things that you say, well, that's really cool. I learned some more Bible trivia today. Yay. No. Those are truths that require us to obey. Those are truths that require us to submit. Those are truths that require us to make them an absolute vital part of our lives. Because our lives in eternity are at stake because of the truths of the gospel. And the Apostle Paul just says really plain, he says, look, this revelation of Jesus the Christ is for the obedience of faith. It's not so we can say, boy, I know a whole lot about Jesus. No, it's so that we can obey in faith the message of the gospel that requires us all to repent. What's that mean? Acknowledge that we're sinners. Acknowledge that our righteousness is not good enough, but that Jesus Christ is all-sufficient. The knowledge of Christ is not something that we can tell people how much we know about Jesus. The knowledge of Christ has a purpose for the obedience of faith. Hey, look, it's not just trivia. It's something we need to know and obey. It breaks my heart to see people who have a head full of knowledge about Bible things but have never experienced the redeeming love of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Apostle Paul in his, in his doxology says, Hey, listen, the revelation of Jesus has, an obe- has a, a purpose, and its purpose is that you will obey it. Obey in faith the revelation of Jesus. And finally, the glory of Jesus. Look at the Bible, says in verse 27, the last phrase. To God only wise... Be glory through Jesus Christ forever. Amen. It's a neat little phrase. To God only wise. Now we can't forget, we should never forget this. It's like the doxology we sang. It's a famous song. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Now we gotta stop and think about that every now and then. Because we get pretty puffed up with how good we are at providing, right? 
I mean, there's times I'm really proud of myself. But I've got to be reminded that all blessings come from God. And the Apostle Paul says, I want you to remember something. All wisdom comes from God. To God only wise. The only wise thing that there really is is God. And any wisdom we have is something is something that he's imparted to us. To God only wise be glory. The word glory is literally doxa in the original language. Glory. It means honor and praise and dignity and worship. If you give glory to something, you are of good, opin- a good opinion. Glory is splendor and brightness. And folks, we need to give all the glory to Jesus. The glory of Jesus. We need to honor him. We need to praise him. We need to thank him. To God only wise be glory through Jesus Christ forever. Amen. Forever. I like that word. Forever. You something sweet? We'll be with Jesus forever. Forever. I like forever. I get kind of tired of the good things passing so quickly it seems like and I hate saying bye I get sick of funerals that doesn't mean I don't want to do your funeral I just don't want to do it anytime soon you may be doing mine that's fine because we're all frail and our lives are short (laughs) but I want you to know something Jesus is forever Our relationship with Jesus is forever. Our fellowship with Jesus is forever. Our hope through Jesus is forever. Sweet. When we've been there 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun, we've no less days to sing God's praise than when we first begun. That's good. I'm thankful. The only hope that any of us have for forever in the presence of God is through Christ Jesus. We all will face forever. There's forever in hell punished for our sins. Or there's forever with Jesus because we accepted his grace. It's payment for our sins. Life with Christ is forever. I'm glad that all the glory belongs to Jesus. That's where it should belong because our only hope is in Jesus. Our only peace is in Jesus. Our only brightness is in Jesus. And it was Christ Jesus who paid the price for our sins. And I'm thankful as Paul brings the book of Romans to a conclusion, he reminds the church at Rome and the church at Chilhowee, hey, all the glory belongs to Jesus. He gives us his grace. He gives us his power. All the glory belongs to Jesus. Praise his name. If you're thankful you're saved tonight, would you say amen? amen? It's good to know the Lord. He promised he'll never leave you nor forsake you. And I'm... Glory in that truth. Oh, what a Savior.